listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everyone. So I'm just curious, how many of you feel like you have a doppelganger? I mean, there's someone else in this world that you've run into, or maybe somebody famous that you think you look like. So it's a pretty fascinating phenomenon. You know, we, we feel like we're pretty unique, but then we all kind of fit into certain categories, and sometimes we'll run into folks that look like us, or we'll see someone else that looks like us. And so today's lesson is about Thomas, the disciple of Jesus, and he's a twin. And often twins uh, uh, experience that kind of case of mistaken identity. So uh, many of you know uh, in, in our church, uh, Ray Keel. Ray's a twin. And I, I had known Ray for a few years before I discovered this. And I discovered it because I was at Target on the north side. And I walked up to a guy. And I'm like, Ray, good to see you. And he's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Ray? He goes, I'm not Ray. I'm his twin. I'm like, oh, sorry. I didn't realize that Ray had a twin. And so you saw Calf and Jen, our youth pastor, uh, which is Calf. She, she was on the right, I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, they're twins. Um, now, we, we all uh, know uh, the Larinagas and um, Carol and Mikkel. And Carol is actually not a twin, believe it or not. Um, though her sisters look a lot like her. In fact, I'm sure that there have been some folks in the congregation in the community who have confused the two, uh, which, which caused a lot of confusion, particularly after Carol got pregnant. It was like she's pregnant and she's not pregnant, and then she's pregnant and she's not Like, what's happening? Like, that just seems, like, impossible. Uh, so we, I have a picture of Carol Aranaga and her sister Mary Marsh and so here they are. Does anybody want to guess who is whom? Yeah, so that's a little bit of a trick question. Neither one of these are Carol or Mary, exactly. Uh, they've swapped their faces. It was an app that was popular, I don't know, a few months ago or maybe a year ago, I'm not sure, where you took the faces off of different people and you switched them, which is funnier if you, like Angela and I did it, and that was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> But when you do it with, with Carol and Mary, it's really difficult because they look so much alike, you can't really tell that one is one or, or the other. And uh, again, so, and today we had Beth Hill, their older sister, also uh, singing and leading us in worship. So when you get uh, Beth and Carol and Mary all together, it looks like, you know, triplets. Uh, and believe it or not, there's a fourth one that doesn't live uh, locally. So that's a lot. Um, I, we tried this when we were thinking about Thomas and him being a twin and this kind of case of mistaken identity. Uh, I tried to look up a couple of doppelgangers for me to see what I found. And one of the ways I tried, I just kind of typed my name uh, with my title, uh, my professional title, Dr. Robbie Waddell. I typed it into Google and hit images, and this is what popped up. <laughs> Which is which is several pictures of me found on the internet, but it also includes Mikkel. <laughs> which is pretty interesting. And, and Mikkel wanted me to tell you that if you click on Mikkel's picture, the, the word that's associated with it is gentleman. So, 
Also nice. Thank you. Thank you, Google. So Thomas, um, Thomas was a twin, and Thomas was one of the 12. And what you know of Thomas, I think, is a particular um, instance in the, in the biblical story. And we're going we're gonna to look at this passage. It's um, from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 20. And uh, this is what it says. It says, When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house uh, uh, were where the disciples were, excuse me, had, um, where they had met, were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors had been shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe and that Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. So when you hear the name Thomas, what's, what's the first thing that you think about? Doubting, Doubting Thomas. That's exactly right. We know this story and this, this moniker, almost like a title, has been given him, given to him. Like we don't know him as the twin in fact, I would be curious, how many of you knew Thomas was a twin? Right? Just a handful of you? Yeah. Um, but that was a part of his identity. But we don't know him as the twin. We know him as the doubter. Like we call him Doubting Thomas. A few things I'd like to say about that. First is this, is that doubting uh, shouldn't be uh, used in Christian communities as some kind of... Um, descriptor of guilt or shame or kind of marginalization. Doubting is just part of being human, right? Doubt happens like, like the shade. Like there's a light on me and it's, it's casting a shadow. Anytime you have light, you have shadow. And that faith is like light and doubt is like shadow. There, there are two parts 
of the same experience. Um, there's uh, a medieval, uh, medieval, excuse me, a mid-20th century um, theologian. Uh, his name was Paul Tillich. And he said that the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. That the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. So that if you are certain of a thing, you're actually ruling out the possibility of faith. That faith has to do with what you don't see. Faith is a way of knowing things that are, are not known by typical ways of knowing. Like, we can know things mathematically, or we can know things in terms of empirical proof, right? We can, read, we can do it again and again, and we get the same results. And so, therefore, we know it. But the deepest things of our life, I think, aren't known by that type of knowledge. Paul will pray for the Ephesians, and he'll say, I pray that you'll possess, that you will know Christ in a way that surpasses knowledge. To know Christ in the way that surpasses knowledge. That sounds almost like a riddle. Like, what are you talking about, Paul? He's talking about that kind of knowing that's deep. Uh, a knowing that's other. It's the way that you kind of know that your mother loved you. It's, it's the way that you know that uh, your, your closest friends or, or family love you. It's not because you have some kind of proof of it. It's not because you can put it uh, on a scale and measure it. I mean, there are other, other things that we have to measure that aren't measurable. <laughs> like, if you're hurt and you're experiencing pain and you go to the doctor, what does the doctor say? On a scale of 1 to 10, how much is your pain? Exactly. And so you're having to assess your pain based on your previous experience. Right? We don't have like a thermometer like, you know, that can test your temperature or a blood pressure that can kind of, you know, we can check your blood pressure. We don't have an instrument to just check pain. Pain is experienced and we know it. Just because it's not measurable doesn't mean it's not real, right? Now, that'd be an interesting, interesting thing to try to convince people of. Well, if you can't measure it, it must not be real. So therefore, none of you have ever experienced pain. You believe that? No, right? Not at all. And so I think that faith is a way of knowing that's not so measurable. In fact, when Jesus says, if you have but the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thy removed and cast in the sea, and it'll be done. That's not saying that you just have to have a little bit of faith. I think it's saying that faith is not something that's measured like other things. And so doubt, I think, is something that just happens. It's, it's part of our regular life. We're not sure of those things that can't be proven. We're not sure of those things that we can't see or that we can't touch. And so there's some doubt that's there. And so sometimes the larger the light the longer the shadow. Sometimes, the greater the faith, the greater the doubt. John the Baptist, certainly one of the great people of faith in our kind of collective story in history, gets thrown in jail, having already pronounced about Jesus, this is the Lamb of God. 
Later, he finds himself in jail, and he's like, hmm, I, don't, I didn't think this was how this was going to work out. So he sends a couple of his disciples to Jesus to say, are you the one, or should we expect another? Right? And that's John the Baptist. In Matthew's Gospel, at the end of the story, they've, they've gathered together on a mountain. We refer to it now as the Mountain of Ascension. And this is where Jesus is going to ascend into heaven, and he gives what we call the Great Commission. I want you to go, and in the process of going, I want you to disciple the nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to, to keep everything that I've taught you for the time is near, and I'm with you always. On that mountain, it mentions that all the disciples are there, and it says this about them. That some worshipped and some doubted. Right? So I want us to kind of, on the one hand, not beat ourselves up when we have doubts. And I want us to be gentle with others and their doubts. Because I think it's, it's part of how this works. Right? Doubting and believing it's like breathing out and breathing in. It just kind of happens. There is another kind of doubt, though, that I would like to kind of um, give a little bit of a caveat, a little bit of a warning for. So you, you know that my day job, I teach at the university. And in intellectual settings, sometimes detached from the, the, the nitty-gritty of life, we can get kind of theoretical as we talk about God. And we can start to ask ourselves uh, questions that find sometimes um, leads us into conundrums, which we're not sure, oh no, now what do I believe? Like, can, can um, God pick up, can God, if God can do anything, can he make a rock so large that God can't pick up? Um, you know, it's one of those, if a tree fell in the forest, um, and there was no one there to hear it, would it make a sound? Those, those, types, those types of things. And I, I, I believe in loving God with our mind. And I believe that, that correct doctrine will, is important and is a good reflection of our life with God. And it, and it helps us and it prevents us from kind of falling into pitfalls and leading, you know, other things leading us astray. But, but there is a form of intellectual doubt um, that is sometimes celebrated like an accomplishment. Like, you know, I read this book and I had this thought, and now I'm too smart to believe in God. Uh, so that kind of intellectual doubt, and there's an honest form of intellectual doubt too, but, but the type of intellectual doubt that's kind of celebrated like an accomplishment is a bit sophomoric. Um, and if, if there are any uh, students in the room are listening to podcasts who are sophomores, um, you know, don't take offense. This is a hard pill to swallow, but this is going to be good for you. The term sophomore comes from two Greek words, Sophia, which means wisdom, and moron, <laughs> which means fool. So a sophomore is a wise fool. It's someone who's read a couple of books, and therefore they think they know something. 
They, they haven't made it to their junior or senior year or are out into kind of, they haven't experienced enough of life yet to realize that some of our constructs get deconstructed and we need more complex ways to talk about complexity. Um, so there's that. Um, but this, this is what I think too about Thomas is that I think Thomas is more than a doubter. And I think we need to kind of look at his larger story and, and think about what's going on. I mean, Thomas is a twin. How many times in Thomas's life did somebody walk up and call Thomas by his brother's name? Like, we don't know what his brother's name was. Let's imagine it was Barry. <laughs> and someone said, hey, Barry. And he's like, that's my brother. I'm, I'm Thomas. Right? So we, we've all experienced that uh, maybe we haven't been called the name that we're not. Maybe we have. But surely we've experienced the case where we, we saw someone we thought we knew, and as we got up to them, we're like, oh, it's not you, right? I mean, it happens to children all the time. Just, just last week uh, on Easter Sunday, I had a little one hug my leg, and then she looked up at me with fear in her eyes. <laughs> Right? Not my dad. <laughs> right? And so she scanned the room to find her dad and ran right there. Yeah? So we have, we have those cases of mistaken identity. And so when the others, right, the other disciples, had already seen Jesus after the resurrection, and then they're telling Thomas, we saw the Lord. And he's like, are you sure... Right. Are you sure this wasn't a case of mistaken identity? Like, um, because people get people confused sometimes. You might, you might not realize this, but people think I'm Barry all the time. <laughs> right. He says, for me to believe, I'll need to touch the scars in his hands where the nails were, and I'll need to touch his side uh, where the spear pierced him. And then, of course, it says eight days later, uh, they're in a room again, and the doors are shut, which says a lot, kind of locked, right? And then Jesus just appears. He says, peace be with you. And he's like, Thomas, here's the scars in my hand. Do you want to touch? Here's the scar on my side. Do you need to touch this? And it's interesting that, at least according to the story, Thomas doesn't touch. Thomas just professes, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God is quite a profession of faith. Like, who, who else is professing faith in the Gospel of John? You get this account uh, when Lazarus has died and Jesus, Jesus shows up. Mary says, excuse me, Martha says to him, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm sorry. But we'll see him in the resurrection. And she's like, well, yes, but that doesn't really comfort me right now. And then Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then Martha says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So we have on the lips of Martha that Jesus is the Christ but it's on the lips of Thomas that he is our Lord and our God. That's quite a profession of faith. So maybe we, maybe we could also know him as Thomas the believer, 
or Thomas the Confessor. Earlier, we see Thomas twice um, earlier in the gospel. The first one actually has to do with the death of Lazarus. Jesus had been down there in, in Bethany in Jerusalem, and the Jews, the religious leaders, had, uh, were seeking to kill him. They were going to stone him to death. And so he gets out of town, and uh, word gets to them um, that uh, uh, Lazarus is sick. This is John chapter 11. And Jesus is like, well, he's just sick. Uh, he's not going to die. And so they just stay there for a few days. And then after a few days, he says, okay, I think I'm going to go down to Bethany and, um, and be with Thomas. And his, uh, excuse me, be with Lazarus. And his disciples were like, wait a minute. Uh, we just came from there. And the Jews wanted to stone you. So we should just stay. And Jesus is like, well, but Lazarus has fallen asleep. And, and they say, well, look, if he's fallen asleep, he'll wake up. <laughs> we, we need to stay here. It's kind of a funny story. I love that part. If he's fallen asleep, he'll wake up. And then the text tells us that, well, Jesus was speaking metaphorically, and the disciples didn't quite catch it. And so Jesus, to make it plain, said, Lazarus is dead. Uh, but we're going to go down there. And it's Thomas who speaks up. Thomas says, well, let's go and die together. Thomas is like, look, even Jesus, even if you're going back to Jerusalem and are going to face death, you're not going to do it alone. We're going to go with you. Now, that's a statement of faith. I'm not just here when you're healing folks or when you're feeding us or uh, when things are going well when there's promise of provision and announcement of your kingdom. I'm with you in the hard times. I'm with you even if you're willing to face death for the sake of Lazarus. I'm willing to face death for the sake of you. In chapter 14, uh, there's this teaching of Jesus. He says, I go away to prepare a place for you. Uh, my father's house has many rooms. Uh, and uh, I have to go to do this, but you know where I'm going and you know the way to get there. To which Thomas says, uh, excuse me, excuse me, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the way. To which Jesus answers, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We quote that a lot. Perhaps you've heard it. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Did you know that that was a response to a question of Thomas? Thomas said, I don't know the way. Which to me seems to be pretty honest. Jesus said, you guys know the way, right? And he's like, I don't. And that's the honesty that I think we see in Thomas. That's the honesty of, of doubt that I think we can celebrate. We don't have to fake it. We don't have to use words like, I believe when I don't believe. We can say, I don't know, or I, I'm doubting. And, and that, I think, is what we do with those that we're closest to, right? We're honest, we're open, we're transparent. And that's the way we can be with God. We can say, God, I'll go wherever you go. God, I don't know what you're talking about. 
<laughs> I look around at these circumstances, and this is not at all what I think it should look like. But we pray, and we're faithful. And hopefully, we're also honest, not just about our faith and our love, but we can also be honest about our doubts. Because that's what it means to truly know someone. You know, Thomas had a, a great career after this. I mean, if we're reading very closely in the Gospel of John, at that first time that Jesus appears to everybody, but Thomas isn't there, and he says that whole part about Jesus breathed and they received the Spirit, and Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. That sent language in Greek is apostello. And it's where we get the term apostle. So these disciples are becoming apostles. These who had been studying with Jesus are becoming those who were sent by Jesus. And Thomas missed out. Thomas wasn't there at the bestowal of the Spirit. Thomas wasn't there at the commissioning service. Yet, Thomas is the one who says, my Lord and my God. And Thomas is one of the ones who goes and establishes the church. Thomas will go, tradition tells us, to India. And he's, he's the disciple who carries the church there. And it's, it is a long and uh, illustrious career that he has establishing the church there. There is, there is an interesting, as I was studying a bit about Thomas, there's an interesting um, extra-biblical source that says that Thomas was the only one to see the Assumption of Mary. Uh, there's a tradition that after Mary died, that her body didn't stay in the tomb, that her body kind of was raptured, kind of like Jesus ascended. And there's a version of that story where Thomas was the only one to witness it, and he had to tell the others. And the others then didn't believe him. It's like an inverse of the Gospel of John story that kind of makes Thomas the one that kind of was Saul and everybody else who had to believe. But this is the way I think that we can all identify with Thomas. Not in the apocryphal version of the story, but in, in the biblical one. We weren't there when Jesus was resurrected. We weren't part of the group that Jesus breathed on and said, receive the Spirit. We, we weren't uh, there even when Thomas saw and touched. It's kind of like at the transfiguration story, which interestingly enough is not in the Gospel of John, but in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell this story where Jesus goes up on the mountain and he's transfigured. Only Peter, James, and John see that. The, the rest of the 12... The other followers of Jesus don't. They don't. They just have to hear and believe. We are in that situation. We hear the gospel and we believe. And we doubt. And some of us worship and some of us doubt. And sometimes we're part of the worshipers and sometimes we're part of the doubters. But we're part of the community. And we hear Jesus coming and saying to us, don't doubt. Believe. Know that I love you. 
that I care for you, that I'm coming, I've gone to prepare a place for you, but I'm coming back. Friends, we've all experienced this kind of case of mistaken identity. I think that's true of Thomas. I think he's much more than a doubter. I think he's also Thomas the disciple. I think he's Thomas the apostle. I think he's Thomas the believer. He's Thomas the confessor, my Lord and my God. And here's my concern for you, is that you too have experienced a case of mistaken identity. And the mistaken identity is of yourself. You've imagined somehow that you've got it wrong. You've imagined somehow that you're not doing it right. Like, I, I don't pray just right, or I don't just worship right, or, or, or my devotions aren't what they should be, or, you know, my sense of anger or egotism. If, if I were doing it right, it should feel different. And I'm here to tell you today that that is a case of mistaken identity. Your doubts and your faith and your worship and your confession are all rolled up in who God is making you to be. And if you think of yourself as less than, that's the same mistake that we generally make when we call Thomas doubting Thomas. Because whatever your shortfalls may be, that's not the totality of who you are. You are who you are in Christ. Paul would say it's not that I live, but that I live in Christ. To, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it is Christ in you that is shaping you and forming you. And sometimes that might be filled with doubt. Like in the time of Gethsemane, where he's crying out, Lord, let's go a different way, Father. Or on the cross, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it also is times of faith, and times of love, and times of acceptance and welcome. Your true identity, friends is that you are confessors and you are believers and you are disciples and you are being sent to share that good news that's happened in your life with your family and your friends and your neighbors and your co-workers and whoever else the Lord brings to your path. you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.